Blog Talk Radio. And good evening, everybody, and thank you for choosing King Jordan Radio for August 21st, Thursday, August 21st, 2014. Tonight we're going to be joined with Andrew Bogish. He is the anchor and host of CBS Sports Radio. He formerly worked with uh, Mad Dog Radio at Sirius XM. And uh, we are going to get into a lot of things, including uh, the uh, Derek Jeter. Uh, Would it be best if the uh, Yankees do not make the playoffs? This way they can plan ahead. We'll get his take on that. We'll get his take on the uh, two players uh, with the NFL situation, with the marijuana situation, uh, and a whole lot more. So um, that's what we have in store. Of course, uh, a, a week from tomorrow, legendary attorney Thomas Menzero Jr. joins us. Okay, I think we have him here now, ladies and gentlemen from CBS Sports. The one and only Andrew Bogus joins us now. Good evening, Andrew, and welcome back to King Jordan Radio. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. It's uh, it's good to be here again. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, a lot of things uh, getting underway, such as football, baseball. Uh, NBA, a lot of a lot of headlines in the, the sports world. Not to be uh, uh, silenced uh, this summer at all, <laughs> right? No, I can't believe we're already at the end of August, and uh, I feel like things haven't slowed down. Normally, uh, you know, like mid July to the beginning of September can be a really slow time. Nothing to talk about. Nothing happens. But um, I, I feel like we've barely had any kind of uh, any kind of break here. We just keep chugging through. Right, and it all started. Uh, in July, uh, when LeBron James took his talents right back to uh, Cleveland, uh, what was your take on that? Um, I, you know, I was surprised. I, I thought he'd have one more contract somewhere, I, I assumed, in Miami uh, before going back to Cleveland. It seemed like he was headed back there at some point. I just think it was still you know, two or three years down the road. Um, but you know, I, I see the reasons why you'd want to leave Miami. I think Dwayne Wade... Uh, it's now obvious that he he can't be Dwayne Wade. He's no longer a, a, a legit kind of number two player. Um, Chris Bosh is a nice complimentary player, but the rest of that roster is broken. And for the three of them to have stayed there, uh, it would have been really hard to build around them. So um, he pulls the ripcord now, goes back to Cleveland. They get Kevin Love. Uh, they had all these veteran guys as well, and they're they're a very very good team. Uh, there's no doubt about that with him in the middle of it. But um, you know, I, I want to see what the Bulls are with Derrick Rose. How healthy he is. How much. How far back he comes now. Because um, if he's Derrick Rose again, Chicago might be better than Cleveland this season. Uh, no question. Uh, you go back to the year when Derrick Rose won the uh, MVP. Uh, uh, they won about 50 plus games that year, and uh, he was the MVP, the coach of the year. They have a great coach in Thibodeau, so you make great points. Chicago Bulls, uh, and they added Paul Casal because uh, they definitely needed scoring. Uh, Chicago Bulls could definitely be a uh, factor in the East. Well, I mean, they're, they're definitely a factor. It's whether they're the number one factor chased by Cleveland or if Cleveland's number one with Chicago chasing. 
uh, either way, however you want to put them up one, two, they, those two teams are, are the class uh, of the Eastern Conference right now. Now, uh, where do you see with the Eastern Conference? I mean, it looks like besides Cleveland and Chicago, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a scramble there. Like, you got Washington, you got the Knicks, you got the Nets. Where do you see teams like that? Do you give them a fighting chance? Well, I, I like Washington a lot. Um, I, I think they're legit. I think John Wall, Bradley Beal, that's a heck of a tandem in the backcourt. Uh, I like the addition of Paul Pierce, the veteran guy to kind of teach them how to be winners, something they tried to do uh, to, with some extent or some success, I should say, in Brooklyn this past year. Uh, with the Paul George injury, Washington might be the, the third best team in the East. Uh, they're right there with Toronto. Um, the Knicks, to me, are, are still not there. Brooklyn takes a step back with Pierce leaving, um, although I think they do upgrade head coaching-wise, Jason Kidd out and Lionel Hollins in. Uh, but, you know, the East, um, the East still is going to be the far inferior conference when we get to uh, the start of this new season, it'd be a little bit different if Paul George was healthy and yet Indiana the third legit team at the top of the conference. But without him there, the Pacers are just not that good. So I think, again, we'll get to next year talking a lot about how much better the West is than the East. And uh, uh, not only did they lose Paul George, they lost uh, Lance Stevens and went to the Hornets. Yeah, oh, yeah and you know what? The, the let's not forget about the Hornets because now they're not in the class of, of – Chicago and um, probably even Indiana still in Miami, but they've um, that's an interesting roster and a good coach made the playoffs a year ago. Stevenson certainly makes them better. Um, they've they've got a chance. Washington, like I said too, to be kind of the next wave of good teams in the East. Maybe two seasons from now. There was a lot of controversy with this Paul George um, injury that will likely uh, end his uh, year uh, for him, uh, that the NBA, uh, they should even do this, the NBA players. What's your take on the whole uh, USA basketball situation? Yeah, it's a, it's a really tough spot because there's no, there's no real gain for the players in this. There's no monetary you know, give back. They don't get anything from FIBA. The NBA doesn't get anything from FIBA out of this. I mean, this is is kind of a one-sided thing for international basketball. Um, So I I get the hesitation. And I'm okay with guys choosing not to play in this. If you you say you're tired, if you say, listen, I'm a free agent and I want to stay healthy and sign a big contract, or, you know, you're Kevin Love and you're not sure which team you're going to end up on, I'm okay with you backing out of this. I would never hold that against you. But um, I think you know, guys. I kind of, I'm, I'm a big believer in just like the universe, and it was just to me that day was the day Paul George was supposed to get hurt, um, and he would have gotten right. hurt in that game or playing in a pickup game in some gym somewhere. Because don't forget, basketball players play; they never stop playing. They're always playing in season, out of season in particular. I mean, you you've seen all these highlights and. You know, guys showing up at Pro-Am, showing up at UCLA. Like a lot of California guys go there. Guys in Chicago. Guys play in New York where I am in the, in the parks and the playgrounds in Manhattan. They always play. So there's always the risk of turning an ankle, tearing up a knee. Um, and George's injury is so unique and so rare. I, I, just, I don't think that you can you know, be that scared of it that you change an entire process and take away the ability for guys who want to do it to play for their country. And, of course, nobody could uh, replace that 92 uh, squad. 
which had Jordan. Um, oh Jordan yeah, Magic. what a team! Yeah, did you see the documentary on that? You know what? I I have it on the DVR, but I have not watched it yet. Somehow, it's a good one. Uh, very interesting about the Isaiah Thomas uh, beef with Michael yeah. Jordan, and uh, John Stockton took his place. But um, uh, I wanted to ask you also about the uh, Derek Jeter and the MLB Major League Baseball. Now, in a crazy way, will if the Yankees, you know, fall out of it, let's say in the last week. Is it better in a way, like Mo last year, so this way they could plan around and then people would know for sure that this is definitely his last game? Or is it better that they go to the playoffs? Uh, well, I think, I, yeah, I guess from like a straight like planning thing and like having confidence and knowing that you saw his last game, it, it's, it helps, but... Uh, as much as it pains me to be nice to the Yankees and Derek Jeter, I mean, you, you want Derek Jeter to be in the postseason one last time as it goes out the door, um, which I, I don't think is going to happen. I just, I, 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 you know, they've they've made some 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 moves that really paid off for them. I mean, Brendan McCarthy was tremendous this afternoon, uh, an absolute gem against Houston. But that that win of you know avoided a sweep against the lowly Astros, um, I, I just don't, I don't think they're good enough. Um, and I, I know what the standings say. I know that they are you know, firmly within striking distance of a wild card, but I, I just don't think that they're good enough, and I don't think the teams ahead of them um, are going to give them enough room you know, coming back to the pack to give them a chance here. So um, I, I think you're going to get the scenario where it's definitely going to be Jeter's last games, and, and you're going to know for sure the last time he walks off the field in the Bronx. Right, and last year you had that with Mariano, and they were able to have that little uh, moment there for Yankee yeah, fans. Yeah, I mean, they're gonna, they're, no matter what, they're going to do something for Jeter that in the last regular season game, uh, you know. But then you would have had the possibility of a playoff game, obviously, back in the Bronx. So it just will not be that that possibility this time around. Right, and you had uh, like uh, Mariano, though they were able to plan. And that special moment where uh, they were getting blown out, I believe, by the Rays. Jeter comes out there and Pettit, who also uh, got to say goodbye, but he he didn't announce it. Are you a fan of announcing it in in uh, right before the season starts to get all this, or you you like the way uh, Pettit did it? Um, I I, I think. I think the way I would do it if I was in this situation is I would know what I was doing. I would know going into the year that this was my last year, but I don't think I'd tell anybody. Um, I, I don't think I'd want to have to go through all of the goodbye stuff. I wouldn't, I'd be worried about my teammates having to answer questions about my career ending and all that kind of stuff. I, I'd just be afraid of being a nuisance. Um, so I, I think I would do it differently. But I don't think it's wrong the way Jeter did it, the way Rivera did it. Um, I don't. I don't think there's a right answer here. There's just what I would do and what I what I wouldn't do. do, do. Uh, and I think I would have kept it quiet. And then when my the last game was over, said, "Guys, that's it. Um, that was my last game. I'll I'll see it whenever." Because um, so just to me, that's that's the safer way to go. That's the quieter way to go out um, and avoid any kind of disruption. Now, I don't think the Yankees are have struggled this year because they're overwhelmed by Jeter questions or they're, they're sad that Jeter's leaving and they're just, 
not a good baseball team that has suffered one too many injuries, especially in the pitching side of things. So, um, again, there's no blame here for Jeter. Doesn't I don't think it's affected anything the way they've done. They've played this year. It's just not the way I would have wanted to do it if I was him. Uh, do you think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer? I mean, that never really happens where everybody. Well, he, he, uh, he should be a he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He that's that's guaranteed. What he also should be is is unanimous, which is what's never happened before. Um, which is is pretty ridiculous, um, and, and there's there's <laughs> small slivers of of legitimate arguments um, for not voting somebody in, um, but to me they they die pretty quickly. They get defeated pretty quickly, and uh, you know there's just there's not a reason not to vote for Derek Jeter, just like there's not a reason not to vote for Mariano Rivera the year before, and there wasn't a reason not to vote for Greg Maddox this year. Um, you know, I, I'm sorry that other guys in the past who were historically amazing players, um, you know, they, they weren't unanimous. That doesn't mean that no one ever should be unanimous. Jeter should be unanimous. Rivera should be unanimous. There isn't a reason to keep them out. Even if you want to get on your soapbox um, and just – normally abstain from voting or vote from no, no for nobody because of your PED stance, um, you know, put that aside yeah. for this, for that year and put Rivera in and put Jeter in at a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. No question. Uh, the trade, this was a big trade, uh, uh, season in terms of a lot of trade going down. What trade did you think was the most significant and will pay dividends? Um, I guess you know the obvious one is the is the the A's and the Red Sox. I mean that's the one that's got my my attention most because what's happened in these first three weeks is kind of what my fear was for the A's. I, I understand the desire to add La- to to add Lester um, after Zamarja. It gives you a little more protection because Casimir and Sonny Gray. Um, you, know, you can't really know for sure just how many innings and pitches they have in them this year. So you get Lester, who's a phenomenal pitcher, great in the postseason, um, gives you a lot of security and a, and a huge boost in that regard. But, you know, Cespedes was, to me, you know, the brand name in that offense. I know his numbers were not the best, but he was the guy that scared me the most. He was the guy that I didn't want to let beat me. Uh, and now he's not there, and for three weeks they really haven't hit, and they're 4-11 since the trade. Maybe this is just a coincidence, or, or maybe their lineup is different now because he's not there to affect everybody around him. Um, and, you know, again, I still would do the trade. I understand it. Uh, but I wonder what we say about, about this trade if the A's are out early in the postseason because they lost a bunch of 2-1 games because while they got good pitching, they didn't have enough hitting to get over the hump. Yeah, and the other trade that a lot of people were talking about was the uh, Tampa Bay uh, trade uh, as they traded Price to Detroit, and they, they played today, actually, and they lost one uh, nothing uh, in a great pitcher's duel, I guess, and Price lost. But uh, a feeling around sports people that was that Tampa didn't get back enough, and they did have him signed for next year. What's your take? Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, you know, it's it's... It's certainly an incomplete answer right now because two of the guys who they got uh, in the deal aren't in the majors, Nick Franklin, an infielder, and then I'm, I'm blanking on the young shortstop's name. Um, if both of them turn into something on top of Drew Smiley, the trade's different. But right now, at face value, um, this, this doesn't seem like a lot. 
for a phenomenal pitcher who is having a phenomenal year and who you now have for two postseasons. Um, the Tigers are going to make the postseason, you would think, this year and will certainly be um, in the conversation for a spot next year. And they've got David Price for both of those runs. And, you know, they, they gave up Smiley and, and an 18-year-old shortstop who's far away from the major <laughs> leagues and impossible to know what he's going to be in four or five years. So it's a great trip for Detroit. It's a major gamble for Tampa Bay. Um, you know, I, they decided they had to trade him right now because they wanted to have that second postseason as like a selling point on him, which I get 100%, but um, I don't know how that then translated into the package that they got back because it just it doesn't seem like a lot, especially um, when the other deals that happened um, seem to have more significant people going back and forth for a pitcher of, of David Price's caliber. Um, tell me what your, your thoughts on uh, Kershaw uh, from the Dodgers. Uh, what's your uh, thoughts on him? He, he's the best pitcher in baseball on what should be the best team in the National League, uh, but is having some issues right now, and the Nats are red hot. They've won 10 in a row. They won again today for the fifth time wow. in six games. They win in their last at-bat. So they've they've got a little, a little mojo going on right now in Washington, but I, I still like L.A. the best. Handler Ramirez is almost back, um, which helps their offense and at least a little bit maybe defensively. But you know Kershaw, when we get to the postseason, he's got something to do there because that has not been the best part of his resume. He's, there's there's no complaints about him in the regular season, uh, but last year in a huge spot where they needed him to be Clayton Kershaw, he wasn't good enough, and they lost and they were out of the postseason. Uh, that can't happen again. This is a big postseason for Clayton Kershaw. He should be the story for L.A. I, I, I like that team a lot. I want to like that team a lot. And he's the, the number one reason why. And uh, heading back to the uh, AL, uh, what's, what's your thoughts on the Angels? Um, they're, they're, I'm watching them right now play Boston. Um, they, they are certainly so they, a surprising team to, no, to be where they are right now. Uh, after you know last year's kind of debacle, they have they, they've had a pretty big resurgence. But the injury last night to Garrett Richards is a, is a real significant one. Um, he's been their their most consistent pitcher. They still have Jared Weaver, and they still have C.J. Wilson. But um, you know Wilson's been up and down. Weaver less so. Uh, but Richards has been tremendous, and they lost him last night to a real gross knee injury. I wouldn't be surprised if they get somebody. They've got a they've got a couple of days here to add somebody. Before August 31st, they're going to be on the postseason roster. Um, in particular, if I'm them, I'm checking with the Mets on Bartolo Colon. Uh, I've got the money to pay him. I've got a spot for him next year. Veteran guy, eats innings, has pitched well in late in the regular season, in the postseason before. And I think, you know, kind of like the A's, they've got some young guys on him that have been good, but. Um, in terms of pitch count and inning, innings limits and first time into September and October, they're a question mark. So why not go get a guy who is not one in Cologne? Uh, yeah, and that brings me to the New York Mets. Uh, no, 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 you, no not, well, nothing should bring you to the Mets except your desire to be angry. <laughs> well, I was going to talk about next year and Harvey and uh, that potential lineup. Do you see, do you see a... Uh, a winning team next year? I see a better team. Um, I, I don't know that I, that I agree that Harvey back and presumably Syndergaard up there as well, that all of a sudden 
you know, they're a true contender. Yeah, you got to show me that they're going to hit, and their offense still stinks. And you know, David Wright's a shell of his former self. And yes. Tejada, you know, the shortstop is not producing. Left field is a black hole right now. Center field could be better offensively. It's fine defensively. They're they're far from a finished product on offense. So Harvey's great. Syndergaard's good. That's all well and good. Another year for Wheeler. I get all of that. But when we get to April, they've they've got to, they have to have made a significant offensive upgrade. It's time to pull the trigger. They have depth. They have they have movable parts right now high in their minor league system, whether it's Tulowitzki, Carlos Gonzalez, Starlin Castro, somebody else. they they got to go get somebody like that to come play every day, hit in the middle of this lineup because they may have great pitching, but they're not going to have they're not going to have hitting to match. And uh, what about your manager there? Uh, are you going to keep him or let well, him know? He's, he, um, everything says he's coming back, um, and I'm kind of indifferent to it. I, I, I don't love him in-game. I'm, I'm confused at times by things he does, but, but I think you're confused at times <laughs> by all things manager, that all managers do. It's just uh, they, they, you know, they can't be the same person as you and always make the move that you would make in, in that situation. So that's, that's not that big of a deal. Um, I, but I still don't know what Terry Collins is in charge of a good team because he's never been in charge of a good team. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah. he's not their number one problem. But if they fired him and, got, and brought somebody in with a proven track record, I wouldn't complain. Uh, and, in fact, it makes me a little nervous that, what, you know, what if they do have a better team next year and then we find out that he's not that good of a manager and next mm. year or the year after is a waste while figuring that out. But um, it's just there's too many other things to worry about before you get to him. So that's why you know I, I'm pretty indifferent to the whole situation. Do you have any early predictions of uh, the two final teams that you could possibly see in the World Series? Well, I'm going to stick with the Dodgers. Um, uh, that's just that's I, I've wanted them to be the best team in the National League all season. They were for a little bit. Now it's probably Washington, or at least the hottest team in the National League is the Nats. But I still like the Dodgers. I think Matt Kemp's going to be a factor. I love watching Adrian Gonzalez hit. Uh, D. Gordon's been pretty good. Kershaw, Granke, if this elbow issue is not a, is not a big deal. Uh, I, and their bullpen's there, too. I, I like them a lot. In the American League, I, I really don't know. Uh, I find myself really struggling to have the same confidence in any of these teams, um, Baltimore is a fantastic story. They just keep winning. They 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 refuse to let the Yankees, the Rays, the Jays back into the AL East race, and now they can basically cruise through September. It's a tremendous story. But I, I don't know what they are in the postseason. I don't know what the Angels are in the postseason, minus Garrett Richards. I don't know what the A's are just yet offensively when we get to the postseason. I would love to love the Tigers, but they've got a crappy bullpen who knows what's wrong with Justin Verlander. Um, so, I, you know, the AL is, is just a guess at this point. If, if i got to pick somebody, um, I, I guess I'll pick Oakland. Um, I'll lean on that pitching to, to be good enough, and they'll hit just enough to squeak out some wins. So give me, I guess, uh, all of a sudden, uh, an all-California World Series. Yeah, and I guess I guess Fox would, would be with you in that scenario. I mean, obviously they would take the Yankees, but... Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but 
out of those. Yeah, they'll, they'll take L.A. That, and I guess they'll take Oakland, San Francisco as a combined market. Uh, that's not that's not a yeah. bad one. Absolutely. Uh, as we go uh, closer to the NFL, uh, talk about the Jets and the uh, Geno Smith and um, Mike Vick uh, situation. Who should be starting, in your opinion? Well, Geno should be starting. Uh, I, I just I don't I don't see the 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 need to waste time with Michael Vick uh, unless Geno's just not ready to play. And I if that's the case, then that's a shame and that's disappointing. Um, or he's just that badly outplayed by Vic. But this this should be Geno's team. This and, and Vic's doing, you know, I think Vic's handled this very very well. Um, and Geno has too. It sh- it should be him. He's the guy with the upside. He's the guy with the unknown potential. I, I know what Michael Vick is. He's going to make a couple plays per game with his feet, make a couple of good throws, make a couple of stupid throws, and you have to hope that when he runs, he doesn't get smoked by somebody and hurt his shoulder, hurt his wrist, hurt his head, whatever. Um, Gino, Gino should be the guy. Even if there's some struggles, let him continue to learn on the fly because that's a good defense, I think, even with the cornerback injuries. Um, and then with Decker... And the young tenant tomorrow, they're bad. Chris Johnson running, they're they're better on offense. And I think, you know, I, I want to roll with the potential of what Geno Smith might be. So, if this somehow is in Geno Smith under center, for that, that to me is a is a setback for the Jets. Okay, uh, we do have a phone call. It's got to Brooklyn and Stewart. Stewart, you're on with Andrew. Hey, King Jordan, Andrew, how's it going? What's up, Stewart? Okay, um, I just want to talk uh, some some Giants uh, football. Um, my, my my prediction is I, I think they're going to go 11-5. and five. I know the NFC is not that strong, but in, in terms of all the moves they made during the offseason, I mean, it looks good on paper, and not, now it just has to all produce on the field. Um, Andrew, my only thing that, that concerns me the most is, is the red zone offense. You know, since Plaxico Burris left, they don't have that big threat. And yep. last year... Last year, every time they got into the red zone, it was like three and out, and it would be just lucky enough to get a field goal out of it. And 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 also, um, in terms of Eli Manning, when he he, he like he throws that ball so high to his uh, shorter wide receivers, and now with McAdoo, I, I'm just really hoping that this you know new system solves our problem. Yeah, and it hasn't, though, so far in the preseason. I mean, they've been a disaster on offense, um, which has me really worried. I, I, I don't see this being an 11-win team. I, I like a lot of the things they did. I'm with you um, this offseason. But a- adding it together, there's so many changes. I mean, it's almost a completely different team. So it's kind of hard to predict what they're going to be. But if, if the preseason is, is an actual indicator of what they are, they're, they're not a good team. Um, I, and this is, like you said, it's not a good division. Philly to me has the ability to win 12 games. If they if they do that, they could they could roll this division. Uh, Dallas is terrible on defense. Washington's shaky. The Giants are shaky. Uh, I I see a lot of seven and nine, eight and eight teams in the mix there in the NFC. If if the Giants I might get to 11 games, that'll be that'll be one of the stories of this NFL season. I just I don't think they're good enough, uh, and I think that this is going to be. Uh, I'm starting to think that this is the kind of the threshold year where they're just okay, and that's it for Coughlin, and they start to figure out what life after Eli is going to be because, uh, you know, it's past 30. He's had some okay years now. I, I think there's no more living off the two Super Bowls. 
if they if they're not better, if they're not drastically better, they've they've got to make some real changes after this coming season. Yeah, but they, Andrew, I uh, I agree with that. I mean, I mean, they're not going to be like worse than than last year, but I think it'll be a little bit better. But what I'm also also another thing that I'm concerned about is the offensive line. I know I know it's it's shaky. As as far as I know, Pew and Schwartz are set, and and if they're not going to score 28 points per per game, that you know. You're gonna have a lot. You're gonna have a lot of pressure on that pass rush, and that's what they're gonna have to do. With JPP, Moore, and Hankins are gonna have to step up. Yeah, and I'm worried about the the offensive line just from the fact that you know Eli might be spooked um, and and having trust issues that he's got the time to get back there and set his feet and make a throw. I, I don't want to get carried away with the way the offense has played through these first two games, but it's hard not to because they've been so bad. You know, it'd be one thing if they if they were not at full steam, I mean, why would they be two games or three games in with a brand new system that's completely different from what they were doing? But I mean, they've they've been terrible, just terrible. Uh, and week one seems very close now, like too close to get things that figured out to to stop being terrible when games really count. Um, and the offensive line's an issue. They're going to miss Hakeem Nix. Uh, you know, Odell Beckham, I, I want to be excited about him. More than one person that I know thought he was the best wide receiver in the draft, on, 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 above Sammy Watkins, which I, I didn't agree with, but people who know the game thought that. And this has not been a great summer for him. It looks like Tom Coughlin hates him already, which is not good. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I wish I, I wish I had your confidence, but I, I just don't. I, I think this is going to be a, a long, annoying year for Giant fans. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, like, it's, in terms of the wide receivers, we have, we have Cruz, Randall, and we'll see what Corey Washington uh, is able to do. But, uh, okay, thanks for your time, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Stuart. And uh, what is your, before we let you go, the, uh, your take on the uh, two players uh, uh, with the uh, marijuana situation playing now, actually, uh, you know, Mike and Mike, I heard earlier, uh, they were talking about it. Mike Greenberg in particular said, so words to the effect uh, that uh, he shouldn't be banned. Uh, uh, there should be no suspension for marijuana. What's your take? Um, well, I mean, I, I think in general, I think the NFL needs to kind of reassess the way they handle marijuana. I think I think it's different than um, to me. It's closer to alcohol than it is to cocaine and hard drugs like that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm naive. Um, but I just you know I think it needs to be punished um, in a less stringent manner. Now that being said, um, I think that you should you should get in trouble pretty often when you're just an idiot and smoking weed. To the extent that, like, a cop near you at a red light just smells it, not pulls you over for speeding, sees a joint, and goes, hey, what are you guys doing? I mean, the smell of their car got the attention of a cop, pulled them over. They're basically on their way to the team flight to this game time in Philadelphia, and they're doing that on the way. I mean, it's just they shouldn't have played tonight for being idiots. And I, and I understand the, the reasons why Mike Tomlin played them, but the bottom line is, you know, you're choosing now football over life, so to speak. I mean, these guys were driving high, allegedly. They were being irresponsible, and they were like, you know, not just breaking the law, but, but apparently pretty exaggeratedly breaking the law. 
Um, and I think you could just say, boys, um, you know, it's probably better if you don't put a jersey on tonight because it's not the worst thing in the world, but it could have been much worse. And um, let's be happy it wasn't, and let's just sit this one out and give – even if you don't really mean it, just like let's give people the impression that we're going to be hard on this by sitting you guys out. Well, maybe Mike Tomlin has his feelings about that substance called marijuana, uh, like uh, some of the things you said earlier. But uh, could yeah, go either I way. Think, in I my think opinion. Mike Tomlin just wants. To, I think I think Mike Tomlin just wants to make football decisions. You know, I, I think that he wanted to to play this game tonight at full speed and at full strength, so he can make roster decisions for the coming season. That's basically what he said. I I, I think it's that simple. Um, I just I don't like the reasoning. Okay, uh, where can the fans hear you uh, these days? And, uh, the, the John uh, Feinstein Show is uh, is Monday through Friday, 9 to noon Eastern. And in most places, you can go to cbssportsradio.com and uh, find an affiliate nearest to you or listen um, live wherever on that website or the radio.com app for uh, for smartphones. It's on the app, right? Everything, okay. So yep. basically all these things are on apps now, so that's cool. So exactly. uh, definitely, we will uh, definitely fans check uh, Andrew out uh, 9 a.m. to noon the weekdays, uh, Monday through Friday on the John Feinstein Show. Thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us tonight. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bud. Have a good one. That was Andrew Bogus from CBSSports.com, and uh, he made up. Uh, he made some very good points in terms of Jeter, in terms of the NBA. Uh, always a great uh, thing having him on. Um, just want to remind you folks, a week from Friday is the Michael Jackson birthday bash. That's right. Tom Mesero, bodyguards, Kerry Anderson, Mike Garcia, Aphrodite Jones, and William Wagner, plus uh, YouTube sensation, uh, none other than Nicole and Scotty. So uh, check that out and uh, keep listening. We'll be back. Um, we'll be back Tuesday, Sunday. If you're in the uh, Brooklyn area, is the Brighton Beach Jubilee. So uh, check that out. Uh, go to brightonbeach.org for more information. Follow the radio show at forward slash King Jordan Radio, uh, excuse me, Facebook.com slash King Jordan Radio. We're on Twitter at um, Mr. King Jordan, at Mr. King Jordan. We're uh, the group page, King Jordan Info and Guests. Just press the invite button, invite yourself, and we will put you right in there. Thanks to all the callers and listeners that make this uh, show possible. Uh, if you also uh, missed Joey Jackson yesterday, a phenomenal, phenomenal show yesterday where we get in deep uh, with uh, Joey Jackson, who hosts uh, uh, his own show now, HLN Now, from 3 to 5. Take a listen to the archive of that. It's a wonderful show. Uh, and then we have the privilege, uh, we are the only podcast that has Joey Jackson. He does not do any others but uh, King Jordan Radio. 
So we are very happy about that. And uh, But all roads lead to uh, a week from tomorrow, and that would be uh, the Michael Jackson birthday. So, uh, and that will be a three-hour spectacular. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, that'll do it for now. Um, uh, Let's see if I can leave you with something here. Can I leave you with something here? I don't have anything warmed up, do I? Uh, mm -hmm. I should have had this prepared. Uh, Well... Here's a little clip of what you'll hear on the Michael Jackson uh, tribute birthday bash. And then uh, we'll speak to you Tuesday and then Friday. Tuesday for wrestling and then Friday. Here's a little piece of what you'll hear on Friday's show. Take care, wrestling fans, uh, sports fans, WWE fans, and world news fans. Well, it's been days of clashes between officers in riot gear and angry protesters. Okay, this is Geraldo. Now, the, uh, the ace criminal defense attorney who represented Michael Jackson the first time around in 1993 on charges that were hauntingly similar. Howard Weitzman joins us from Los Angeles. Uh, Howard, are they not? First of all, welcome. Nice to see you again. Thank you, Geraldo. Okay, so are, you know, did you have a, a sense of deja vu when you heard of uh, the arrest, the complaint this time around? Well, I did. Remember the last time there was no arrest, there was no complaint, there was a civil suit filed, so it was a bit different, but we dealt with the same district attorney, Tom Snedden, uh, appropriately nicknamed Mad Dog, by the way. So you believe that he really has it out for your former client, for Michael Jackson? Well, I, I think he has a state of mind that Michael has committed a criminal acts and that uh, Michael slipped away the last time and he's going to get him this time. So clearly there's an attempt at a show of power here. Is it just a show of power or is it revenge? Do you think he has an axe to grind? He wants to, he's, you know, he's on en route to retire soon. He has this, uh, this guy who got away 10 years ago. Do you think he's got you know, something more insidious than just an axe to grind? Well, I, I think subconsciously um, he wants to show both Michael and the world that he's in control. You know, what's very different here from the last time is Michael's in the criminal justice system now. And that has caused and will continue to cause him a lot of problems. He's not in control. He's in somebody else's jurisdiction. And I think a lot of what has gone on has been the result of either poor planning or bad advice, as I see it. Let me ask you something more substantive than that before I address some of those issues that you raised, Howard. Do you believe that your former client is a child molester? Do you think he's a pedophile? No, I do not. But the bottom line, I wasn't there in 1993. I wasn't there in 2003. I don't know what happened. But, but I choose to believe he's not a pedophile. I choose to believe he has not molested children. And I hope I'm right. Then why did he pay all that money to evade the charges last time around? Well, you're talking to someone who didn't agree with what ultimately happened. You have a team, the client makes the decision for whatever reason, sometimes just to avoid having to go through the risk of a trial, because it's always a risk when you're in the criminal justice system. Uh, um, I wish it hadn't happened. Um, I said that back then, and uh, I say it today. But that's history, and now he's got